readers and listeners of Charlottesville Community Engagement have many choices when it comes to what ersatz holiday to appreciate. Perhaps you are of the National Cabbage Day variety. Or perhaps you want to explore the world around you on this National Public Science Day. Do remember, it is also Random Act of Kindness Day. Finally, Who Shall I Be Day? Well, I'll be Sean Tubbs with yet another edition of a program that shall now move on to the information. On today's program, the Nelson County Supervisors are briefed on a study of a section of Route 151 south of Afton. The Virginia Department of Transportation has temporarily closed a roadway in northern Albemarle County. Albemarle Supervisor B. Lepisto Kirtley is running for election in the Rivanna District, and at least one candidate has filed to challenge whoever becomes the Democratic nominee for that seat in the fall. And various updates from members of Charlottesville's Planning Commission, including an explanation from the Board of Architectural Reviews member on the recent denial of solar panels at United Methodist Church. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, if you are cleaning out your garage, basement, or garden shed as spring approaches, the Piedmont Master Gardeners will gladly take any yard and garden equipment you no longer need. PMG is now accepting donations of new and used tools, hoses, decorative items, outdoor furniture, virtually anything used to create, maintain, and enjoy a garden. These green elephants will be offered for sale to the public during PMG's spring plant sale. Donated items may be dropped off at 402 Albemarle Square between 10 a.m. and noon on Tuesdays and Saturdays through the end of April. PMG is not able to accept plastic pots or opened chemicals. To arrange a pickup or more information, contact the Piedmont Master Gardeners at greenelephant at piedmontmastergardeners.org. As for that sale, mark your calendar for Saturday, May 6th at Albemarle Square Shopping Center. Ten years have passed since the Virginia Department of Transportation analyzed the Route 151 corridor in Nelson County, and now it's time for another study to begin. Such work can help identify projects to address safety concerns, and the Nelson County Board of Supervisors got a briefing at their meeting on Tuesday. Rick Youngblood is a planner with the Virginia Department of Transportation's Lynchburg District. You know, I'm happy to say that we've had success not only through uh, highway safety improvement program, but also smart scale and getting a number of projects vetted and fully funded and constructed along this corridor. There's still more work to be done, and that's why we're looking at this study again. The firm RK&K is working with VDOT on the study, which Youngblood said is not a land use study. The land use work will be done separately as part of the county's comprehensive plan review that is underway. That's not directly related to this study. The part of the study aspect is not to define future growth or the possibility for future growth. We're trying to correct the measures and issues that are there now in preparation for the future based on the data that we collect. This study will cover a 14-mile stretch from Afton Mountain Road 
to about two and a half miles south of Beach Grove Road. The team will look at crash data and locations as part of the work. Seven intersections total. These are what we call PSI intersections. They are high accident frequency or have meet a certain metric uh, to be identified as a high accident intersection. We are aware that there are other intersections that have come up. A stakeholder meeting for the study took place in mid-January, and Youngblood said data collection is about three months behind schedule on collecting data in advance of going to the public for comment. There will eventually be an online survey as part of the public involvement. So hopefully we have to catch folks that are coming through the area as well, not only those that live in the area. The 2013 study included some recommendations for multimodal improvements, such as bike lanes, particularly in the Nellysford area. Currently, there are almost none. Youngblood characterized the landscape. You've got you know, rolling terrain, you've got uh, you know, short shoulders, um, there's crossover accidents, there's road departures, there's no bike pet facilities throughout the corridor. Mind you, when we, these recommendations come up, they will be pricey. Uh, bike and pet, specifically pet facilities are pricey, uh, very expensive, and they are high maintenance. A website will be created for the study, and there will be two public meetings that have yet to be scheduled. Additionally, a project to convert the intersection of Route 151 and Route 6 to a roundabout has been recommended for funding in the current Smart Scale round. More from the Nelson County Board of Supervisors in future editions of this or 5th District Community Engagement. People who use Watts Passage to get around in northern Albemarle County are going to have to find another way through until further notice. A routine inspection of a bridge over Preddy Creek has led the Virginia Department of Transportation to temporarily close the road. Here's a section from a release that went out yesterday from VDOT. Virginia Department of Transportation bridge inspectors found damage to a bridge support that posed safety concerns for the traveling public. A detour has been set up using Route 20 and Route 641. As of the release, there was no timetable to implement a plan that is under development to repair the bridge. Around 500 vehicles a day use this section of the road, according to traffic figures from the Virginia Department of Transportation. There are 263 days left until the general election on November 7th, and more candidates are emerging in the community. This week, Albemarle Supervisor B. Lepisto Cartley of the Rivanna District filed paperwork with the Virginia Department of Elections to run for re-election. She won election to a first term in 2019 in a race that was technically unopposed, but write-in candidate Mike Johnson still received nearly a third of the vote. Johnson also raised nearly $100,000 for his write-in campaign, according to data from the Virginia Public Access Project. That's among the highest amounts ever for a supervisor race in Albemarle County. That amount compares to $23,476 for Lepisto Kirtley in 2019. She won the Democratic primary that year against Gerard Smith. This year, Lepisto Kirtley may have an opponent in the general election. David Coleman-Rhodes has filed paperwork to run as an independent. I contacted him to confirm his candidacy, and he didn't have much to say yet. He did say in that email that he is a lifelong resident of Albemarle, he does not like the direction the community has taken, and he believes the supervisors need a different voice. 
He also said he would not run if another candidate emerges in the district. Here are some other candidates across the reading and listening area. A third candidate has filed for the South District seat on the Nelson County Board of Supervisors. Mary Catherine Allen is running as an independent. Republicans James C. Bibb and Philip Purvis have both filed to run for the seat. The incumbent is Robert Barton. David Michael Goad is running for the Fork Union seat on the Fluvanna County Board of Supervisors. He filed as an independent. The seat is currently held by Moselle Booker, who was first elected in 2007. Joe Chambers has filed to run for another term as District 6 representative on the Buckingham County Board of Supervisors. Chambers has been on the board since at least 2003. The Department of Elections online records for local races only go back to 2000. Chambers ran unopposed in 2003, 2007, 2015, and 2019. In 2011, he ran as a Democrat and won against a write-in candidate who got 29.1% of the 581 votes cast. Daniel Reed has filed to run for the Fork Union seat on the Bluvanna County School Board. The seat is currently held by Perry Johnson, who was first elected in 2015 with 54.5% of the vote. Stephen C. Harris will seek a fifth term representing the Cuckoo District on the Louisa County School Board. He was first elected in 2007 and has never faced opposition. Patty Coleman-Madison will seek another term as Clerk of Court in Louisa County. Madison was elected to the position in 2017 after the retirement of Susan Richardson Hopkins. Democrat Angela Fortune Hicks has filed to run for re-election as treasurer in Nelson County. Hicks was first elected in 2011 when she secured 73.7% of the votes cast. Hicks won with 81.4% of the vote in 2015 and was unopposed in 2019. Stacey Coleman-Fletcher is running for another term as Commissioner of the Revenue in Louisa County. She won election in 2019 with 46.5% of the 11,992 votes cast. Likewise, Henry Bins Wash has also filed for election to run again as Louisa County Treasurer. Wash first won in 2011 in a six-way race in which he won with 24.8% of the 8,105 votes cast. In 2015, he won in a two-way race, but this time got 62.2% of the 7,627 ballots cast. Wash ran unopposed in 2019. Stephanie D. Love will seek another term as Commissioner of Revenue in Buckingham County. She was first elected in 2011 with 59.8% of the 4,985 votes cast. And finally, Democrat Jim Hingley has filed to run for a second term as Commonwealth's attorney in Albemarle County. Hingley defeated incumbent Republican Robert Tracy in 2019 with 56.27% of the vote. Tracy had defeated incumbent Democrat Denise Lunsford in the 2015 race with 51.26% of the vote. Interested in the election news? Sign up for 5th District Community Engagement, where you're more likely to see these first. Both are products of Town Crier Productions. And uh, if you're curious to know why I'm doing this, it's because I'm really interested in democracy. Uh, One of the purposes of the 5th District Community Engagement Newsletter is to find out who is in office in all of these places. It's fascinating to me. There's uh, really no conclusions at this point. And the point is of doing any kind of journalism is never to really come up with conclusions, just to report what's happening. 
And that's what I do each and every day. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And anytime you do an internet search about Charlottesville, it's possible that a result will bring up information that came from Sevilpedia. Sevilpedia is a community resource that contains thousands of articles about all kinds of things that have happened in Albemarle and Charlottesville. Now, did you know that you can make edits? Yeah, I'm talking to you, you the person who's hearing this through your ears. Do you have something you would like to make sure is written about there? Well, you can join me and the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society in the Jefferson Room at JMRL's Central Branch for a half-day edit-a-thon from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on February 23rd. The goal is to add more information about anything that happened between 1933 and 2023 to help fill in the gaps for an upcoming radio series on WCHB to celebrate that station's 90th anniversary this September. We're going to have one-on-one demonstrations, an opportunity for you to scan in information that you'd like to share with the community. You can potentially meet with others who are interested in talking about and researching local history. It's an informal event with brief presentations on what Civil Media is on the hour. If you'd like to know more, drop me a line. I will be there at the event, helping you and whoever shows up to make history. One last story today, and it's really just a series of vignettes with one tying theme. You can learn a lot about what's happening in the overall community by reviewing the first several minutes of one of the regular meetings of the Charlottesville Planning Commission. They meet the second Tuesday of every month. The following all comes from this last Tuesday's event. Planning Commissioner Phil Duranzio told his colleagues that he would be a representative on the new appointed body that will review applications for funding from one of Charlottesville's affordable housing pools. Applications for all four now go through the Office of Community Solutions, which is headed by Alex Ikafuna. Uh, Alex expressed uh, to us that uh, if uh, commissioners wanted to have a participatory role on the uh cap allocations or the housing advisory committee that see if they qualified for a category and apply which i dutifully did council appointed duranzio to both the funding and the non-funding housing committees in january in all there are four separate pools of funding for affordable housing projects from the city such as the housing development project investment fund the housing operations and community support fund and the Community Development Block Grant Program. The fourth is for the original Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund, and applications for that closed on January 31st. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission is also in the affordable housing realm with their Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership. They have an event coming up, as we learn from Planning Commissioner Liz Russell. Um, In March, uh, Friday, March 24th, TJPDC hosts the second annual um, Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership uh, Summit, and um, it's called Coming Back Home. It will present a regionally focused um, summit on affordable housing needs. So it's all day. Uh, It's at the Omni, and registration can be found online 
Learn more about that summit on the TJPDC website. Next, Commissioner Carl Schwartz explained why the Board of Architectural Review voted not to approve a plan for United Methodist Church on East Jefferson Street to put a solar panel on their roof. The church is appealing their decision to city council. It, you know, to put the panels on the roof would have required removing um, 100-year-old, very good quality slate roof, um, replacing with asphalt shingles. Um, so that was kind of the part of the rub. It was um, our guidelines are very vague, and our ordinance says to look to the Secretary of the Standard, Secretary of the Interior's standards and their advice um, in such a you know situation. Schwartz said the guidance was to deny, but he also acknowledged that anyone who passed by wouldn't notice either the slate roof or the solar panels. So it was complicated. It was difficult. Um, Some guidance from council would be very useful. Schwartz spent two terms on the BAR before being appointed to the planning commission last year. He's now the PC representative on the design review board. Next, Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg is a member of the Technical Committee for the Metropolitan Planning Organization, which last met on January 18th. The uh, Charlottesville Area Transit is developing a new strategic plan, uh, and Jaunt is developing a new uh, transit development plan. Those plans are required by the Federal Transit Administration and the Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation. A governance study currently underway to suggest the future is not. Transportation staff at the TJPDC are also in the initial stages of putting together a federal grant for preliminary engineering of a pedestrian bridge across the Rivanna River. The project was not recommended for funding during the fifth round of SmartScale. There was no update from Bill Palmer of the University of Virginia, a non-voting member of the Charlottesville Planning Commission, despite three major projects being under construction in the Emmett-Ivy Corridor and despite ongoing master planning initiatives. There used to be a public committee that discussed such matters, but Charlottesville City Council and the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors agreed to turn that into a closed-door private body in late 2019. Commission Chair Lyle Sola Yates reported on the fate of legislation in the General Assembly to allow Charlottesville different taxation power than most of the rest of the state. HB 2112 from Delegate Sally Hudson would have allowed Charlottesville to tax structures and land separately, with buildings being taxed at a lower rate. Uh, Something that I personally believe is very important uh, strategically and for affordable housing. This ability currently exists for the cities of Fairfax, Richmond, and Roanoke. A subcommittee of the House Finance Committee failed to report the bill on a 4-2 party-line vote. Republicans hold a 52-48 to majority in the House of Delegates. Later on in the meeting, the commission had a discussion of the first module of the zoning code. I'll have that discussion in an upcoming edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Four hundred ninety-nine bottles of newsletter on the wall. Four hundred ninety-nine bottles of newsletter. The next edition of this podcast was at one point intended to debut a new music bed from Rocky. That's going to go at the end that you're listening to, but no, beneath what we're hearing right now. But somehow I got to 500 quicker than I thought, and I might not actually make that happen. But it might happen. But either way, if you're hearing this, you're not seeing that I'm writing in the newsletter trying to get more people to listen to the podcast version. Uh, the newsletter version gets uh, hundreds, about 2,000 reads or so now per one. 
Uh, the podcast, decidedly less so. We're at about 150 on a good day. However, I'm going to keep doing them, and I would love to get a better audience because I'm not doing this without the podcast. Because if you're listening to this, honestly, uh, the podcast is a joy to produce. If it was just a newsletter, who cares? I'm also grateful for everybody, each of you who are reading and listening. That includes those of you who are experiencing it for free. The people with paid subscriptions are helping to cover that cost, and they get a few perks here and there. The next is going to be a look at the January 2023 property transactions in Charlottesville. That's going to come out soon, hopefully sometime next week. If you do join hundreds of others who have paid for a Substack subscription, your initial payment, that's going to be matched by Ting. Ting supports community journalism like this and others in Charlottesville, and I am so appreciative of their sponsorship. I did not write out the part. Let me see here. Okay, so if you, let me do this from memory. If you want to have high-speed internet at home and you'd like Ting to consider that or have Ting do it uh, and you're in there, sign up at a link in their newsletter and, and uh, guess what you get? You will get free installation, $75 off your second bill and a $75 gift certificate to the downtown mall. Did I get that right? So it's the second month for free. Anyway, I probably should write all this down. There's a lot more I should write down. But, um, you know, David Bowie said, you've got to write it down. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program and the person who really wants to hit stop soon so I can make it to the court because there's a breaking news story just sitting over there waiting for me. I got to go actually physically over there to get it because, of course, court systems don't work like the rest of things. And we still have a lot of work to do to make sure we can have access to that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm Sean Tubbs. Goodbye. Goodbye.